Hello everybody and welcome this week to Talking Flutes Extra with me, the old flute geezer from London Town, Jean-Paul Wright. A big shout out to our podcast sponsors, TJ Flutes, for their continued support. You can show them some flute love by following them on socials, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok at TJ Flutes or on Facebook and YouTube at Trevor James Flutes. Katie Werry is an accomplished flute player who performs and teaches around the world. As founder of the popular Etude of the Week, the online flute community with over 7,500 members, Katie has found her purpose in empowering people with a passion for music to discover and pursue their individual musical paths. Her wonderful new coaching programme, For the Love of Flute, supports flute players in pursuit of their musical goals so that more people feel encouraged to share their passion with the world. A couple of weeks ago, I dialed into Katie via Zoom and began by asking her where this love for the flute began. What a beautiful question to start with. I love this. Um, <laughs> so really the first, the moment that I knew I wanted to be a flute player, because I, I started playing flute when I was about maybe 12, 12 or 13. Uh, you know, when people here in America start when we're in fifth grade and we have to choose an instrument, that's our, <laughs> that's the age. Um, and I never really had a teacher when I started. I taught myself and I uh, was kind of naturally, I could get a sound out faster than anyone else. So I thought I was very cool. <laughs> and then um, there was, I was second chair flute in my middle school band. And the first chair flute, said, hey, this guy James Galway's coming into town. Do you want to go here and play? And I was like, who is that? I've never heard of him before. I didn't know anything. And um, my mom, who was always, my mom was always the mom that would take us anywhere, right? If I said, hey, mom, can we go do this? She's like, yeah, I'll drive. So, <laughs> so I asked my mom if she'd take us to this concert. And James Galway was playing with the Colorado Symphony. So we went and I had never, I had no idea that that's what the flute could sound like you know it just totally blew my mind I was a little kid with wide eyes in the audience like oh, what you know <laughs> and at the end he played his Danny Boy encore and I remember feeling so emotional oh yeah just tears just <laughs> and I knew in that moment this is what I want to do that was it was just like a click <laughs> in my brain that just said I really want to take this seriously now and at the end of his concerts he does a little autograph signing and so I went and got the program signed by him and he said well what makes you want to play the flute <laughs> and I looked at him and said someone's got to take your place someday because <laughs> yes. I, was a little, I was such a little oh my gosh just like <laughs> I yeah I can't imagine saying that now you know and so he loved that of course and laughed and said let's keep in touch and he gave me his email address and Every day I emailed him, every single day, whether it was, hey, how's the weather in Switzerland? Or, you know, I'm thinking about getting a flute. What should I buy? One day he calls my house and my mom says, hey, Katie, phone for you. And I'm like, hello. He's like, Katie, it's Jimmy. I'm like, what? <laughs> <I didn't remember. laughs> so 
we kind of had this bond, you know, since I was 15. And then in high school and trying to, to, to get into college for flute playing, that I was so far behind. I didn't know anything. I couldn't play a scale. You know, I had a little $200 flute. <laughs> like it was not, it was, and so then I got my first real flute teacher um, and James Galway invited me to go to his class in Switzerland. This was in 2002, I think. And I, or 2004, I don't know, some amount of many years ago. And at the time, my dad's a golf professional. So he was trying to get back on the golf tour. And so we were living in a little two bedroom apartment, my parents and my siblings. So I shared a room with my two siblings and we didn't have much money. But James Galway sent me an email and said, I really want you to come to this master class in Switzerland. And I showed the email to my mom and was like, hey, look, I got invited to this thing. Thinking there's no way I can go. It's not cheap to go <laughs> to that. But my mom just said, there's no way you're not going to this. We'll make it work. And so we raised we raised money. We went to all the businesses in my community and told them the story. And they donated things. And we had a silent auction and raised, raised enough for me to go. So I went to the Galway class when I was 15. And at the Galway class, they have two separate classes. They have one for the amateurs and the kids, and then one for the professionals. And Jeannie Galway teaches the beginner class, and Sir James teaches the advanced class. But he let me play in the professional class because he said, Katie worked so hard to get here, you know. And that, from that moment, it was like, okay, I can do anything. <laughs> this is amazing. So that was my whole crazy beginnings of <laughs> playing flute was with James Galway. There are worse things, I think, you know. So as, the, as the, the love started when you heard him play the flute? Yes, yeah. Did it unlock that emotion straight away? You know when he plays Danny Boy? There is yeah. something that is quintessentially Sir James. Absolutely. And yeah. however many people come along afterwards, it's a bit like Pavarotti. Mm -hmm. When you hear Pavarotti sing, you know it's him. Yes. When you hear Absolutely. Placido Domingo sing, you know it's him. Jimmy, exactly. you know it's Jimmy. Right away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there is yeah. something. I mean, that was the reason I started, was that mm. I came downstairs and my mum was crying in the kitchen. The radio was on and it was Danny Boy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we're the same. Again. Yeah. And I, oh, my, no. mum, my mum's old English. So if you chop one finger off, it doesn't matter. I've got another three. <laughs> But she was crying, and I thought, yeah, and I just thought, I want some of this power. So that's the reason I started playing the flute. I've yes. made her cry so many times, but not do flute playing. <laughs> like, oh, let's try something different. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. But, yeah, but it is. It's such a special, it is a special power to have, isn't it? It's a you special know? power to have. You want to play because you are emotionally hooked. That's the big thing. Yes. Rather than parentally hooked yes. or teacher hooked, you are not yes. only emotionally hooked, but you had to work damn hard to get over to Switzerland, not knowing what you're going to find. And yeah. you're going to go into a class with Sir James Galway, the guru, <laughs> the, the top dog. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. Play. <laughs> mm -hmm. You've got a lot of balls. Yeah. You've got a lot of balls, haven't you? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I've been told. I remember I played the Bizet Larlesienne yeah. on my Gemeinde Heart. Yeah. And I couldn't get the top G out at all. I mean, I didn't know. I never. This is before I got my actual teacher. Yeah. So I was trying, you know. And I remember thinking, oh, maybe it's my flute. You know, Galway had this platinum flute, and he said, here, let's trade. <laughs> he tried it. 
play his platinum flute and I don't even I don't think I could even get a sound out of it at all. I didn't know how to use my air, let alone. <laughs> was that was, was that his Nagahara or was it his Muramatsu? Yes. Uh, Nagahara. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he so then he took my Gamine heart and played the Bizet on mine and I mean still sounded unbelievably like him. And that was another important lesson. Speaking of who cares what flute you play. You know, he takes this this student little four hundred dollar Gemeinhart flute and sounded incredible. You know, playing that thing. So yeah, it was a, it was quite the uh, quite the experience. That in that moment, it was so important because I learned then that there's I didn't need to have any shame or embarrassment no. or fear of being judged because I was there to learn. And I think at fifteen, it's or you know, being younger, it was a little easier. Because I didn't have all of the judgment trauma that we build <laughs> over the years. As flute players, or as musicians, you tend to carry or push this trolley of baggage, don't you? And that baggage yes. is built up over the years. What we're trying to do is we're judging ourselves against others. We're measuring ourselves against others. And yeah. we're, we're worrying about what others are thinking about us. And that shopping yeah. trolley just gets full and full and full. To the point that it then hides your whole self. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it feels safe. But I think it's, a, it's such a tragedy. to. We're all such unique humans. And to have, these, have music to share with each other is the most important thing we can do. Who cares if you miss a high G? I don't. Dum dum da 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 dum 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 dum. So you came back from that course. You must have come back a different person and a different musician. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was incredible. And then that's when I really started the work. So I had a wonderful teacher. Her name is Michelle Stanley. She teaches at Colorado State University here in Colorado now. I mean, she kicked my butt. She was she did not let me off the hook at all. So I really had to kind of fast track my Tafnell and Gobert. Let's do all the things. Learn the scales. Do your tone exercises. And I really, I really did. I took it very seriously then, <laughs> to the point that then I got into I got into college to play the flute. So. Yay, it worked out. <laughs> but it was a lot of work, definitely. And then you went on and did your master's? Yes. Mm-hmm. I did my master's with Christina Jennings. Oh, oh um, what a sound that lady has. Oh, what a she's sound. She's another one. You know, I really think James Galway, I can hear within one second, I know who it is. Christina is one of the only others that I feel like the second she plays, I know it's her. And do you it's know, this- well, I hear it. It is in the lower octaves. Yeah. Oh, there's something about that that is just... Whoa, where does Amazing. that come from? Exactly. Yeah, she's a special she's a special one. So I'm I'm just so lucky to have had these mentors in my life. I studied with Brooke Ferguson also. She's principal okay. of the cars. Another just, you know absolutely phenomenal player so be surrounded by all of these amazing people is the most inspiring thing ever. It it's is. Cool. And how have you managed to create Katie the flute player? In other words, to bloom, to mm. blossom. And when I mean yeah. by create, it is we've all got something we've got to got a seed inside of us. And many yeah. of us, we, we, when we flower, you know, we go in different directions and not necessarily in the direction we want to do because, you know, we're following all these societal norms. How have you yes. managed to bloom and blossom? Oh, I love it. seems like you've done these interviews before, baby. Questions <laughs> <laughs> are awesome. Um, you know, I, there's a couple of answers to that. I think that definitely having the inspiration of James Galway and Christina Jennings and you know, really 
knowing from such a young age what it feels like to be emotionally touched by a musician, right? It doesn't even matter that they were flute players. I don't think it just happens that I wanted to play the flute. So that's how that worked out. But also it's interesting how our paths shift all the time. <laughs> and I went into college thinking, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to audition for orchestras. I feel like that is kind of the path that we should take, you know, when we want to be professional flutists, because thinking about, you know, making a living otherwise, it's hard to comprehend how you would do that unless you get a job in an orchestra or as a teach as a professor. But then in college, I had some really good friends who played in a steel drum band. <laughs> this is a <laughs> random, this is so random. You know, I was still doing all the tone practices, listening to Galway CDs every night before I went to sleep. You know, it was all of this stuff. But then over here, my friends are doing this thing and they say, you have to join this. It's so fun. And I said, no, 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 I don't have time. I have to practice my excerpts. I have to learn the Iber Concerto. I have to do all these things. I don't have time for this. And finally, I was just like, you know what? I deserve to have a little fun. Let's do this thing. So I joined the steel drum band and it totally changed my whole idea of what I wanted my path to be. Just, I'm like, I can play music and have fun. I can dance and play, <laughs> like, what? So I played steel drums. There's an album that is my steel drum band, if you ever want <laughs> to listen to steel drums. But then they asked me to play a flute solo on the steel drum album. And I remember saying, I, I don't know how to do that because they wanted me to improvise, do like an improvised flute solo. And I said, I can't do that. And, you know, being the ballsy woman I am, I was like, yes, I'll do it. And so I started taking jazz improvisation lessons from the saxophone professor at the school I was at. And that just opened up so many other things, so much other opportunity for just joy and expressing myself and learning. So learning how to improvise was a huge thing for me. And then I went just totally went off the orchestral path. I was like, nope, actually, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I started doing a lot more jazz, improvisation, um, started just playing, you know, gigs with friends, but still with the idea that I want to have this full, beautiful Galway-esque tone sound, you know? So it was kind of a combination of those things, I think. And then now I play in this... Um, Balinese gamelan ensemble. I've been playing in it for about nine years. It's the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. It's crazy hard. That's also helped change my perspective about what it means to play music and connect with people. Because it's not just about playing, you know, flute and piano stuff. <laughs> There's so much other amazing music out there that colors each other, I think. It does. And when I'm watching you do that Balinese music, the, yeah. the different type of emotion that comes from that style, that genre, to mm -hmm. listening to some foray or listening to other classical right. music, it is still there. The depth it of is. emotion is still there, exactly but tonally right. is different. Yes, I completely agree. It's amazing because it's still that connection. And then experiencing those things, I think, really deepens the understanding of what it means to be a musician, right? Because then all of a sudden it's like, it's not about me anymore. It's not about, oh, I just want people to like my flute sound. It's deeper than that. And then, then the fear of judgment kind of goes away a little bit more because it's not so much about what people think of me <laughs> anymore. But that's what I've heard from other people about you is that you don't play for mm -hmm. you, you play for the enjoyment of others. And that's yeah. a big difference in how we perceive ourselves as, as, as instrumentalists. So where do you yeah. find, where do you locate emotion, Katie? Where does it sort of 
come from? Does it bubble up from your chest? Does it come mm-hmm. down from your head? Where is it? Where does it locate? Oh, it's right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, definitely from the heart. Sometimes a little from the belly, you know, mm-hmm. but, it, and that's why I think, um, you know, this, the practice of, of breath and meditation or yoga or whatever these kinds of things are, are so important because I think a lot of times when we're too up in here, because of course you have to be in your head somewhat, right? Especially when you're practicing, you still have to be able to analyze something and say, ah, actually I would rather do it this way. Let's do, let's, you know, rinse and repeat, (laughs) whatever the thing is. But when it comes to performing, if you're so tense and nervous and scared and worried about being judged, the access to what's happening inside of your soul, inside of your body in those places that I think everyone's a little different. Mine's like right in my solar plexus, I think, is where I feel the real core of my love, let's say, you know, but I think it's important to be able to access that. Mm -hmm. And nerves are such a block. They are. They're a block. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to move on to something really, really important a bit later to do with love. But what I'd like to do is to cover something that has become a bit of a phenomena or phenomenon in the flute playing world. And I'm sure you didn't mean it to become what it's become. Not at all. (laughs) But Etude of the Week. Right. Tell our Talking Flute listeners. I mean, obviously I know what it is. For those that don't know what it is. Katie, please tell them the monster that you've created. Yes. Oh, it's absolutely a monster. And I am every day in awe of what it's become. It's absolutely amazing. Um, So Etude of the Week is a group on Facebook where we, as a group, vote on a book of etudes that we progressively work through together. So we'll start with number one. The next week we do number two and we do the entire book. And it started when I graduated from grad school. And I'd lost all of these opportunities to play with people, right? All of a sudden, wasn't playing in orchestra anymore. I didn't have chamber ensembles anymore. I didn't have a teacher anymore for the first time ever, you know? So here I am, like, just out of grad school, like, what do I do? (laughs) So I started Etude of the Week as sort of a way to hold myself and some of my fellow friends who had graduated who were looking for a little bit of accountability, Um, to hold us accountable to do something every week. So it started as that. I think we started with Anderson Etudes. um, That was six years ago now. So I don't know. (laughs) Maybe we'll circle back around to those sometime. I think we had about maybe six people in it for, I mean, a month, a year. I don't know. It started in August of 2015, I think. So, and then, you know, slowly it grew to be maybe 50 people and then it was a hundred people. And then three years in, it's all of a sudden it's a thousand and then it's 2,000, and now I think there's 8,000 people in it, 7,700, something like that, almost eight, from over 150 countries. The thing that Etude of the Week has taught me is that there has been this huge hole in our flute community for the people that don't quite feel like they're good enough, or they don't quite have a place to fit in, or... They feel like their voice isn't valid because they didn't go and study at this school or with this teacher or, you know, didn't didn't really practice flute hard their whole lives. Maybe they chose to be a mom or a doctor or, you know, whatever, like (laughs) they did something else with their lives. And even, you know, even the the ones now who are in high school or college who are choosing a different path, but still have this genuine love for playing the flute, but feel like, oh, nobody wants to hear me. 
I'm not good enough. And that is such a tragedy, I think, that people have felt that way. But now, Etude of the Week has created this space for people to, first of all, be honest about where they are. You know, people post, it doesn't matter if you've practiced the Etude all week. doesn't matter if you just play one measure. It doesn't, like, you just present yourself as you are in that moment without any shame, without any fear of judgment, and you get you know, feedback that's always positive. It's always constructive and encouraging. And I think it's just so important for people to have a safe place to express themselves and to, you know, feed their flute love in a way. (laughs) So it's really become a beautiful, a beautiful community. And I'm so grateful. And it's not just for those that are returning back to flute playing or those that are doing it. Right. I mean, I was speaking to Mihi Kim not so long ago, professor of flute in Paris. And Mihi does it. I mean, you've got to. She loves it. She does. Yeah. I love seeing Mihi. Yeah, there's professionals for sure. I mean, Tristan McCall from the Concert Cabal's posted a bunch. Amy Porter's posted a bunch. Marina Piccinini's done things. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, and I've heard from people like, I don't want to post because I know so and so is in the group. You know, but that's that defeats the purpose, too, because it's like nobody's judging anybody here. This is, you know, in our world and also the world of social media, the non-judgmental aspect of what you're doing is so unusual, but it's so valid. Yeah. I mean, because there's there's so many, you know, deep things here that we could get into. But I think that there's a big part of a lot of times as performers, sometimes we have to pretend like we're something that we're not. Yeah. You know, or. Pretend that you're better than you are or farther along in a thing than you are. And I just think that causes so much talking to talk about blocking your yourself. And I just think that you're doing yourself. We do ourselves and the community a disservice by pretending to be something that we're not. Show up. Hey, this is where I am. And that's okay. Have a high goal. Set the bar high, but be where you are. There's (laughs) there's sort of a lot of honesty and integrity issues sort of surrounding that. And yeah, we we could sort of funnel down, tunnel down quite deeply in that. But I would, I, I find the whole attitude of the week fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> in that you can honk along. I just like the fact that people that you're there, you're doing it, and everything is valid. Each person's performance, as you say, whether it's one wedge measure, whether it's half the piece or all the piece, it is mm. valid. And we need yes. that in music. We need people to understand and to realise that whatever they do is valid in the universe. Absolutely. Well said. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And I think there's, you know, etudes are meant to help us improve, right? They're meant, they exist for us to find a problem and solve it. Yeah. You know, and I think when too much emotion gets in the way of feeling like maybe this is too hard for me, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, no one wants to hear me, then you're defeating the purpose of trying to get better and learn something, right? If we can get rid of all those insecurities, then it comes down to, oh, okay, what's the problem I'm trying to solve here and how do I solve it? It's a little more analytical, but that's how we get better. We're segueing quite nicely into your your new project, which I think is beautiful in its construct and so needed in this world. For the love of flute. And I, the most important, there's two important words in there, which is love Mm -hmm. and flute. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you started with the emotional connection with Sir James Galway. 
Yes. You also had parents that would go to their nth degree to fund something to send you to yeah. Switzerland. So there exactly. was this inherent love for the instrument. Yes. In this world today we live in, there's not many positions or jobs for people that are studying or playing the flute. And sadly, yeah. a lot of females disappear off the scene. They go and do other jobs. Yeah. They go and have children. But they have yeah. this deep-seated love and they come back to it. Yeah. Firstly, yeah. what made you start with yeah. the love of the flute and explain more about it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's been sort of a, a seed planted in my head and my heart for many years. Trying to think of, you know, how can I turn this thing that I've noticed in Etude of the Week that's so desperately needed, you know, this support and this encouragement, but even more so, it's it's a deep dive into where do our fears come from? What really is holding us back from, from pursuing this thing that obviously is so meaningful and deep to us? Because it's true. We keep coming back, you know, even if you try to say, you know, I don't need to spend my time and money on this. <laughs> there's, there's something about the flute that just draws you to it. And I think in our lives, it's so important to pay attention to those things. But really, it was attitude of the week and noticing all of these people in there needing this safe space to express themselves. And I wanted to create something that was along the lines of that, creating that that safe space, but kind of, yeah, getting getting past the surface level. Yay, you, good job, you sound great. And getting deeper into why do you love this? The question that you asked first, what is it that you really love about the flute? How does it help you express who you are? And what are some of the you know, you're, we get really deep into, into some traumas and emotional things and fears, fear of judgment, fear of failure, you know, these things that are so ingrained in us as people, for whatever reasons, they come from all different places, but they really exist. Especially when you are a musician, it's such a vulnerable position to be in, to be, to express yourself to other people. You know, you're like, here I am, <laughs> like it or not, you know. But I think the more that, you know, we can get into that with people, the better. So for the love of flute, yeah, it, it's it's sort of formed and, and it's a work in progress. This is the first round. It actually mm -hmm. officially starts this week. The first round, it's a four-month program. And at the beginning of the program, we really get into what path do you want to be on? You see yourself here now. Who do you want to be in four months from now? And how do we establish habits, not only in practicing the flute, but in your mindset about who you are and how you believe in yourself that will help you not only four months from now, but for the rest of your life to be able to show up for yourself and for others and, you know, let go of some of these little monsters we have in our, in our heads, you know, so that way we're free to free to express yourself in your heart and show up in your community how how you'd like to instead of how you feel like you have to you, know? you mentioned earlier the importance of a safe space i think that mm -hmm. is really really key to yeah. developing as a an artist i agree i Absolutely. was i was listening to something i was listening to a, a podcast this morning and yeah. it was about it was stephen bartlett the diary of a ceo and he was talking to this wonderful cool. guy about prosody, about public speaking. And he, yeah. and he was talking about some of the biggest TED 
talk artists or TED talk speakers are actually yeah. in, are actually introverts and yeah. they go onto the stage and they perform or they yes. speak they can gather an audience and then they have to take that step back now the safe space is important because it's almost a therapy in itself because as musicians we don't get chance to talk do we right that's exactly right yeah it's more of a coaching yeah you know and i'm there if people have questions about you know how do you how do you practice this scale or tell me about this trill that's fine we can talk about those things but it's a lot more it's more of a coaching program than it is let's have a flute lesson well it's, hence, it's, hence the word love because the yes. love means it's a diff, it means different things to every person exactly and love means it's unlocking an emotion unlocking a validity yeah. unlocking the love for yourself yes as valid yes that's it exactly <laughs> yeah that's exactly right you know and then that's where you, when when James Galway plays Danny Boy that comes from a place of love that's why it's so special so if you can access the love that you have for yourself mm-hmm. absolutely you know then you have the ability to actually send that spread that to others and that makes the world better it's not only good i think it's it's important it's like critically important for this to happen for for people many women so and right now i have um i have some women in the group and it's not only women men are welcome mm-hmm. too anyone is welcome no matter what age race gender all the things but the transformation that's happening already is, is I mean, almost every session I'm like, <laughs> we're all you know, in tears. But the growth that's happening is so unbelievable. Unlocking these, these things within each other and ourselves. The other thing about it that I think is really important is this idea of doing things in a group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's interesting as musicians how we have always had private lessons. It's one-on-one all the time. And that kind of isolates us in a way. I understand the importance of it, that I'm not saying private lessons are invalid, but I think that to be in a group of other people who share similar experiences, you know, even if you're on completely opposite sides, I have, you know, one person who's a professional flutist in the group and one who is an adult who's, who's coming back to it for the first time since she was like 10. Totally different playing levels, but very similar experiences with their fears and insecurities and the way that they show up for themselves so it's amazing to know that you're not alone Mm -hmm. and it's so empowering to be able to show up and you know make those changes with other people who are doing it too it melts the insecurity it melts the fear everyone's fear and everybody's experiences are very very different but if you know that somebody else is experiencing something yeah all of a yeah. sudden it sort of drains that down, doesn't it? Yeah, it gives you permission to yeah. show up as yourself. And that's, you know, it's amazing to see some of these people working through the fears and posting things anyway. I just did a, a live Etude of the Week session, which was kind of more like a For the Love of Flute session it turned into because we really got into these conversations. This one girl who was, this was live we'd, at the Boston Flute Festival last week, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. And it's amazing to do it in person. It's a whole nother energy. But the this little girl gets up, I think she's maybe 16 or something, and says, you know, these conversations have really inspired me because the only time I've ever played flute is to try to be better than someone else. She's had to compete for a chair in her high school or for, you know, her all-state band or whatever. It's always been 
competition that's motivated her. And she got up on stage and she said, I'm ready to claim my space and I want to play the flute because I love it. And I was, and everyone's like, yeah, and she played and it was so sweet. You know, you could tell she was nervous and we worked on her air a little bit. And then there were these three other girls sitting in the audience who said they weren't going to play. But then as soon as this girl played, they felt confident to do it too. And that's, I, and then I looked at that girl. I said, you see what you did? (laughs) You gave these other girls permission to show up as themselves because you showed up as yourself. And it was just, it's this, you know, uh, it's a ripple effect. I think. But you're also, so, you're also cut, you're cutting out measurability because we all have a measure, don't we, as defined by what yeah. other people think of us. Exactly. What you're yeah. trying to say exactly. is, oh, ignore everybody, be you. Be you, where you are. And I think it's important to know that you can still set a high bar for yourself. You can still say, you know, I want to be the next James Galway, mm-hmm. like I did when I was 15 and I couldn't play a high G at all, you know. <laughs> but if you believe that it's possible for yourself and that's a self-love thing there too mm-hmm. right knowing that you can because you can anyone can someone has to you know and I think that's as long as you put in the time and you have the awareness and you you know do the things but a lot of us hold ourselves back and don't actually show up to practice because deep down you don't believe that you can mm. so it's yeah it's a pretty amazing i'm i'm so grateful to be a part of this you know to have created it as a thing but now i get to sit and witness the growth of and and it happens to me too i'm i'm a part of the journey also and letting go of a lot of these these things that hold us back from the love (laughs) (laughs) but you know what it's like when you're in a good space I'm talking about, mm-hmm. I have this thing in my diary and I've been doing it for years is that I track how I'm feeling during the day. So mm-hmm. I have on one day, I just want to see if there's this sort of a cyclical nature. So if I'm feeling near, I always put a, yeah. I put a negative. If the equilibrium Neutral. is fine, I got equals. Yeah. And if I'm feeling yeah. okay, I put a plus. I like that. And I, I'm going to do that. I like that a lot. And it, <laughs> just, it, it means I can track because we all have cyclical highs yeah. and lows. Course. And we, yes. we, we all have times in the month where there's hormones that are really affecting how you are and how you're behaving. And right. when, when you look at the patterns, I've found that I had this period that in each month where, mm. yeah, I'm probably not feeling musically as sort of good about myself. Right. But the advantage of what you're saying and what you're opening up, because you're not directing them. What, you're, what I'm getting is that you're getting them to flower themselves. You're just helping them to unlock the, f- yes. the, the flower bud that is there. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And there are times when maybe you don't, you don't feel musically great. You don't feel motivated. Getting the flute out of the case at all is, I've gone through that for mm. sure. I think we all have. Motivation is such an interesting word. It right? is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not always motivated all the time. We can't, it's not, it's just not how we exist. I don't believe if I've, I've never met anybody who's constantly motivated, but it's finding that deeper purpose. Why are you doing this? Why do you keep showing back up to the flute? Who is it for? Or what is it for? What, what genuinely motivates you in your life just over a big, broader spectrum? And then if you can keep coming back to that, even if you say, you know what, this week, I can't touch my flute. I don't have the energy. That's okay. You're not, no one's going to die if you don't practice flute for a week. It's fine. But, you know, what's your bigger goal here and what, what are your, what's your purpose? 
then it makes it a lot easier to get back to it instead of just saying, ah, forget it. I'm going to go and do my dishes instead. Do the dishes. Oh, <laughs> crikey. I have a dishwasher for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to do that. Yeah. But you keep the candle. I think the most important thing is once yeah. you've lit that candle. Yes. And from what I'm gathering, that is what For the Love of Flute does. It sort of, yes. it lights this warmth within. Yes. And exactly. the, that candle is constantly going whilst that love is being sort of let free. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And finding that light. And there are some dark moments. There has to know? be. If you're opening up as yeah. a person, there has to be yes. dark moments. Yeah. Growth comes in those spaces. You know, yeah. there's there are many quotes about that, I think. But, you know, growth happens in the hard parts when it's painful and difficult. And I think, you know, Agent of the Week is wonderful because it gives people that safe space. Yep. It's all the positive stuff, though. You know, it is no, there is no darkness there. <laughs> it's all like, yay, yay, everyone, which there's nothing wrong with. But for the love of flute is that is the actual, okay, here's the real, real stuff. You know. The real, real stuff isn't when you've got the tube in your in your hands. The real stuff right. is what's going on in inside the head, yeah. which is stopping yeah. you and preventing you from enjoying and putting that love out there. Yes, and connecting to others. Yeah, you know, critical. How do we show up as musicians and really affect others? You know, how do we start that ripple effect if we can't be really? embodying ourselves in the first place it's like yeah you know. I mean, my, my my granddad who i adored and he t- told me many many years ago when i was i was playing the flute he said don't forget that when you're playing that music that that sound goes off into space and that sound travels and you never know one day in millions of years time someone will just hear that sound that you just made that gives me goosebumps actually because that's <laughs> so true yeah I mean, our jobs are crazy. We're literally manipulating air. Yes. How wild is that? You know, it's so it's that is something from outer space, really. But the validity in everybody's performance. Yes. We just have to believe that we are valid in whatever, whatever standard. I mean, what is the standard? What is the measure? Mm hmm. It's not. I mean, it's, it's their own. Well, it's, yeah, it's not Sir James, <laughs> yeah. Sir James, and Dennis Burikoff and all these other players. Right. They are there. They doing. They doing what they love and what they enjoy. But it's no less important for someone that's coming back, that's had three children, that is coming back to play yeah. in the flute, and has a tone that sounds like a, a foghorn. It. Yeah. It's all valid. <laughs> exactly, and it's important. Yeah. You know? Oh, so good. It's so good. This is the real work, you know, that I I do genuinely think it makes the world better. The more people that can really just genuinely love who they are and show up that way. And of course, there's ups and downs, you know, Mm. there are times when I'm just like, oh, I can't. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm going to just lock myself in my room for a day and nobody. I'm not touching my flute. I broke my arm really badly about four or five years ago. It's 2018. And there was a moment when they said, you know, you might not play flute again. Like it was a crazy experience. And I had to take a lot of time off. I mean, and this was right before I was about to go do my very first guest artist recital and master classes in China in 2019. So I was like, ah! but it was such a beautiful moment for me to stop and reset and really think about why is this important to me? But it took this it took this dramatic thing for me to just slow down for a second and 
and think about it, you know? And I think that I think that we're all in a really unique position now coming out of this pandemic because I think a lot of us had to stop and think about stuff a little bit differently. How are we going to show up now differently? We had to take some time to get kind of into ourselves, which is the perfect moment to do this kind of self-growth work. I'm going to be interested to know how you develop as a person in the next six to 12 months because the Katie Berry that is here now will not be the Katie Berry that's here in 12 months' time. You will change, you will grow, you will also flower. Mm -hmm. And that's other people helping you do that yourself. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) (laughs) It's such a a circle. We all do it for each other. What a powerful thing we can do for each other, you know? The circle of love. I mean, it is just... Oh, I love that. I'm going to steal that too. (laughs) Yeah. So how do, how do our listeners find the um, For the Love of Flute? Yep, so we have a website. We, it's me, just me. Uh, fortheloveofflute.com mm-hmm. is the website. This round is already closed off, but we will start another four-month round in April. April or May. I haven't decided when I want to start yet. Probably April. And, you know, I will still be doing a lot of talking about this on social media because I do think it's it's important to mm-hmm. keep the conversation going. I do a couple of, you know, one-on-one coaching sessions if anybody wants to just kind of get into it a little bit before, you know, you commit to a whole four-month thing. Mm-hmm. But I do think it takes, you know, it takes the four months to get it going. So, but yeah, for the love of is the website. I also, um, if you follow me on social media, I have it's Katie Wary Flute is my Instagram and Facebook I'll post all of the things there. There's an email list you can join on the For the Love of Flute website also. I've just started this new thing where mm-hmm. my previous guest asks a question. Oh. And I pose this question to one of the guests coming up. Because I never know what order I'm putting these out in, Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still going to take this question that was posed last week. Okay. I love it. And for you to answer. So the question is, what advice can you give to an aspiring musician who is wanting to be heard? Oh, this is a great question. There's a couple of ways I can go with this, right? It depends on if they're wanting to be heard, right? It's how and where do you want to show up? So my first answer is find what lights you up first, right? Don't try to play your... You know, I'm playing a Paganini Caprice this week. Don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's great. But, you know, what do you want people to hear? I think that's the first question. If you're an aspiring musician, you just got to go out there and take the risks and do the things, I think. I have played so many gigs that are ridiculous. I played one at like a plumbing museum once with a toilet above my head. I played one at a, you know, countless bars, like all of these places. But I think if you're an aspiring musician, we all are, aren't we? Just do it as much as you can. Like take the risk and put yourself out there. I think that social media is a great tool. For it. Recording yourself is a whole nother amount of scary. <laughs> Recording yourself as well as doing live performances, I think are equally important. You know, I do, I play concerts at my grandma's retirement home all the time. Um, talk about a, talk about a grateful audience, you know, <laughs> they love it always. So I think, first of all, think about what it is you want people to hear, you know, and, and form your programs around that. 
But also I think sometimes if you don't know, it's important to take risks. I mean, that's kind of how I started with the steel drum stuff and doing improvisation. Now me and my little, my little brother's a synthesizer guy. So we do, you know, open improvisation concerts all the time. Well, I never would have in a million years would have pictured myself doing something like that. So stay open, take the opportunities that come and take some risks and do weird stuff. That's my advice. And that is the perfect way to end this podcast. Yeah. It is Do just yeah. <laughs> let yourself free. Let yourself go. Let yourself, yeah. Cut the umbilical yeah. and just experiment. Exactly. Don't be pigeonholed. Exactly. Yeah. And pay attention to what lights you up. Yeah. That's something I've really been thinking a lot about is listening to when my heart tells me, oh yeah, this feels good and important for me you know pay attention katie good. you've been so wonderful today thank you so much for taking your time it's been wonderful oh i feel like we're best friends now and i can't wait to have a glass of wine with you somewhere someday <laughs> well what people don't know is we've we've always already discussed where we're going to do the next podcast yeah exactly and a nice bo- nice bottle of chablis at the same time couple of level of mics yeah. and then he go, oh, we just get a bit you know and my london accent starts coming <laughs> so out good. and <laughs> i love it if we get steven there too then it's really trouble oh crikey yeah steven clark yeah if you get him along good grief <laughs> i'm going out i'm gonna see him on thursday so oh give him we'll, uh, give him all our well. love from over here <laughs> he's doing wonders Thank over so there much. really it's been such a pleasure and what i'm so pleased that a for the for the love of flute is actually exists but b is that it really is going to be interesting to see the development not only of your students but also more of of you because the more that you develop the more the more openings that there will be for others and this community needs support and It, Thank you. It, it is not. We, we don't live in a linear society. To, I can. Li- I can't listen to someone that's just playing dots. I have to be moved emotionally. Oh, I agree. Thank you. <laughs> it's gonna happen. We'll see. We'll see what happens, huh? Yeah, uh, we will indeed. So, <laughs> thank you to Katie and also to you all for listening this week. Until next time, wishing you a musically fulfilling week ahead, and may your third octave. Pianissimo F sharp be particularly resonant and easy, because mine never is. <laughs> Cheerio, everybody! Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.